the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And we, along with all humanity, have continued to eat of the forbidden fruit. The things that God doesn't want us to do. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Well, we're going to still be in James chapter 1. We'll pick up from where we left off last time. I entitled this message, Life Has Many Turns. Turns, yes, life is full of turns. We turn some things on, and other things we turn off. Just like when we turn on and off the sprinklers. We turn on and off the radio. We also not just turn things, but we make turns, like driving on the streets of Los Angeles, as we change directions in our cars, especially when we drive past where we're supposed to turn. You ever go, oh, that was my turn right there, and you drive past, you know. And then there's other turns, like when we, uh, when it's our turn to talk, you know, we listen, and then we talk. We have a dialogue with someone. Or when it's our turn to take out the trash or walk the dog. Then there are times when we need to turn and change direction in maybe how we're walking in our life. That's when we find ourselves traveling in as a person. Why is this? Because there are a lot of obstacles in life. We have to change our direction in life sometimes. You know, lots of twists and turns that we can encounter in life itself. Some encounters can be filled with hardships and pain that we run into, yet many times those are the only times that we actually learn real lessons in life. Understand, many lessons in life don't come from arriving at a destination. The lessons all come from the journey that get us there. That's why when we come to a dead end in life, The best thing that we can do is make a U-turn because two wrong turns never leads to a right turn. But two right turns could change everything in our lives. Yes, we are used to making turns. The only question is this. Are you making more right turns in life or are you making more wrong turns in life? Today, as we continue in this series, Practical Christian Living... As we pick up again in the book of James, chapter 1, in light of our title, Life Has Many Turns, let's look at our first point, turning from enticements. As we pick up from where we left off last time, we left off in James chapter 1, verse 12. So we'll pick up in verse 13. It says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. 
For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away, him or her, and carried away and enticed by their own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. Wow. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, so well, let's start unpacking here. Now, as you know, we all live in a world of blame shifting. It wasn't my fault. It was, it was someone else. Uh, they did it. It was someone else. It started in the beginning with the very first human beings. It was Adam and Eve, the very first man and the very first woman in the Garden of Eden. Eden means paradise. So we had the first man, the first woman in a place of paradise. And they had the run of the place. They could do whatever they wanted. They frolicked around naked. Everything was great in the Garden of Eden. They could do everything they wanted except one thing. Now, we know the Bible has commandments. In fact, we think of the Ten Commandments. But actually, if you look at the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God, there's actually 613 laws that we're subject to. But yet in the Garden of Eden, there wasn't 613 laws. There wasn't the Ten Commandments. Just one thing. Don't eat of this one tree. That was it. See, God didn't create Adam and Eve as robots. God made them and us in his image. But as you know, Adam and Eve, they ate of the forbidden fruit. The one thing that they weren't supposed to do. The garden was filled with all kinds of fruit. Fruit, maybe fruit that we've never even seen before. Everything was there. But they ate of the one that they shouldn't. And we, along with all humanity, have continued to eat of the forbidden fruit. The things that God doesn't want us to do. The very day that Adam and Eve ate of it, God came walking down in the Garden of Eden. Great, of all days, why are you coming now? And God said, Adam, where art thou? As if God didn't know. And he was hiding behind the willy bushes. Uh, I'm over here. Well, what are you doing over there hiding? Well, I was naked. Well, who told you you were naked? Uh, Well, and so at that moment, God asked him, did you eat of the tree that I command you not to eat of as if God didn't know? But he was given an opportunity for him to repent. And Adam repented immediately. He confessed his sin before God. He fell on the ground and said, oh God, I'm sorry. Forgive me for eating of the the forbidden fruit. Uh, no, that's not what happened. (laughs) He did not repent. Actually, what happened was quite the opposite. He fired back at God as he pointed at his wife Eve and said, it was the woman that you gave me. See, so really, it was not just a blame shift. It was a double barrel blame shift. It was not, it was the woman that you gave me. 
Oh, okay. So, I mean, what he was saying was, you know, hey, God, everything was fine in the Garden of Eden. I was all by myself. And then all of a sudden, I fall into this deep sleep, and I wake up, and boom, there's a naked woman in front of me. And everything went downhill from that point. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So he not only threw his wife under the bus, but he also blamed God. That's when God looked at Eve and said, well, Eve... You know, what is this that you have done? And the woman, she pointed to the serpent and said, the devil made me do it. It's not my fault. It's that little slimy little serpent there. How many times have we said that? It it wasn't my fault. The, The devil made me do it. Well, not much, as you know, has changed today. That's why God makes it very perfectly clear that when we sin, It's because we chose to sin. God doesn't tempt us. He doesn't create temptations or trials. The fallen world of man that has rejected God as their Savior has plenty of both temptations and trials. Since the world has rejected the very God who made us and created us. It is amazing to me how people can go through life with very little thoughts or very little devotion to God. Maybe they go to church occasionally. Uh, they don't read the Bible daily. They don't pray daily. They live, you know, with their own sin in their lives, and, and they know what those things are, but they don't care. They kind of cover them up. But as soon as the bottom drops out, as soon as the fire comes down in their life, as soon as life turns upside down for them, they turn with their fist pointed towards heaven and they blame God. Why are you doing this to me? What have I ever done wrong? But yet God is very forthright. God is very truthful to all of us concerning sin. He tells us exactly what happens when we, you and me, sin. He said in verse 14 that it starts when you and me are tempted. It's when we're enticed by what? Our lusts. We're all allured by something. We're enticed. It is not sin to be tempted. There's all kinds of temptations out there, right? A temptation comes like, whoa, there's temptation. It's not sin to be tempted. It's only sin when we fall and give in to that temptation. Notice how it happens. Look at verse 14 again. It's when we're carried away, or as the King James Bible says, when we're drawn away. Carried away or drawn away. That word carried or drawn away in the original language comes from a hunting term. It refers to a baited trap. Hunters will use traps that have bait in them. The bait does what? It allures an animal to the trap. The prey, in turn, is tricked by the bait, only to find themselves ensnared within the trap. Verse 14 goes on to say, it's when we're enticed. Now, this is a fishing term, which means, again, to catch with bait. As you know, fishermen many times will use live bait, whether it's a live smaller fish or it's a worm, but it's moving on the end of a hook. What does it do? It entices the fish. Oh, look at that little squiggly thing. And the fish will come up and they'll bite into the bait. But when they bite into the bait, what do they get? They get the hook too. And once the hook is set in that fish, they're done. 
And that's exactly what happens to us. What does sin do? Sin promises pleasure. Listen, the Bible says, look, sin is pleasurable for a season. If it wasn't so pleasurable, we wouldn't have a problem with it. I mean, like, if every sin of committing adultery was followed by, yes, it's going to destroy your family, going to destroy your spouse, going to destroy your children, and it's going to destroy you. You would look at that and say, oh, no way. But it doesn't look like that. I mean, it, it only satisfies for a moment. The pleasure is only for a moment. Yet once we take the bait, the hook is set inside of us. And we become entrapped. It goes on to say in verse 15 that sin brings forth death. Death, spiritually. But why? Why are we so prone to being enticed by the things that we know that are wrong? Like, why would I be enticed by something I know God says is wrong? Why do I put myself in the path of being ensnared in a trap? It's because of our own lust. Our lust draws things. You see, the word lust comes, and it means in the original sense, it's a desire. It's a craving. It's a longing for that which is wrong. We all have a lust for something that's wrong. God says, don't do this. You're like, well, how come? It's just what we do. It's part of the sin nature. We're drawn to it. Know this, we're all born with it again. But how can we ever get to a place as a Christian to not sin? Well, God in his infinite grace and of his infinite wisdom in working with us as humans that are clueless sometimes, he has given us all a wonderful and great promise. Understand, no matter how fierce the temptation is in your life, oh, oh, you know that feeling, oh, oh, no matter how alluring it is to us, God has given every single believer in Christ the way of escape. He has given you the way of escape. Let me read what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation, not some, no temptation has overtaken you but which is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will provide you the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Wow, what a great promise. Temptation is a test. It's something that will try to persuade us It's an attraction that will entice us. It's an attraction that will induce us to do what we know is immoral or wrong. And when that temptation comes, know these three principles with assurance as a believer. You can know this. Number one, it's common to all men and women. So when you're saying, oh, you don't understand. It's, it's just something that, I, it's, just, it's more on me than anyone else. No one else suffers this temptation as bad as I do. Uh, no. It's common to other men and women. So no matter what you're facing in temptation, no matter what it is, many other people are facing the very same temptation. So it's not unique to you alone, number one. Number two, that temptation is not too big for you. It was too big. It just, it hit me like a, like a freight train. There was nothing I could do. Uh-uh, no, 
God said, it is not too big for you. This is where some will say, but you don't understand. I just simply couldn't resist it. Uh, You could have. Again, God is saying that he has equipped us with the ability to resist the onslaught of that particular temptation. And finally, number three, you can be assured of this. God promises that he will provide a way of escape, meaning somehow, some way, there is going to be a way out for us. And sometimes that escape is simply one of these two things. Okay, we got sub points with more sub points. Okay, so here, here's, here's one of two ways. Because you might be saying, oh no, oh no. When I was falling to this thing, there was no way of escape. There was no way I could have got out of this. Then that temptation was just too big. Here's the two ways that God will always give you to get out. Number one, don't go there in the first place. Don't go where you're not supposed to go. Don't turn on what you're not supposed to turn on. Don't look at what you're not supposed to look at, okay? Don't go there in the first place, okay? Number one, don't go there. And number two, are you ready? This is the secret. Are you ready? Run. Turn around and run. Get out of there. Hit the exit. If you're getting ready to do something immoral, leave immediately. Get out of Dodge. And again, sometimes the way of escape comes long before the temptation comes. Like when you're getting ready to go out with a friend and go clubbing. Don't wait until you're on a dance floor grinding with some of the most beautiful person you've ever seen on the planet. Oh, Lord, help me here. I don't, it's like, uh, okay, it's too late for you. I think that it's possibly before La Vida Loca sets in completely, okay, I think... What you should have done while you were getting ready in the mirror and everything, and the Holy Spirit's like, I don't think you shouldn't go tonight. Don't go tonight. Don't go tonight. See, that's where your way of escape came. It came way before you got to the club. But, they, but I, I told them, I said, I, you know, I don't think I should go. I'm a Christian. And it's like, no, come on, come on with us anyway. No, I don't drink anymore. It's okay. You could be our safe driver. Yeah, you're, you're, the, you're, the, you're the driver. It's like, okay, I'm just here to help. <sighs> you you bit into the you got the hook you took the bait it's like no i'm not going i am not going see the way of getting out of that was what the way of escape was i'm not going no matter what no i'm not going in the first place and for those with a temper that causes great pain to those that are around you you know when you're getting ready to snap leave go walk the dog there has to be a way when you're getting hot under the collar just to say i need to go to the store why they get you some ice cream okay whatever just get out of the place yes god has given us a way of escape so that we may endure the that word endure means just that so that you can survive the onslaught of the passion the desire in the craving, he's given you a way of escape of what we know is wrong. Remember these three things about sin. Now, I've said these multiple times before, but take them to note because they are so true. Number one, sin will take you farther than you want to go. Number two, sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm tired. I want to go home. It's like sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And number three, Sin will always cost you more than you want to pay. 
I can't believe the cost that this has had on my life. I can't believe the cost on my spiritual life, my family, and those around me. It will always cost you more than you want to spend. And don't miss what verse 16 says. Do not be deceived. Don't fall under some delusion because just as temptation is not from God, we now have the contrast of what is from God in verse 17 and 18. And that's every good thing, it says, the blessings of God. Yes, without question, God blesses those who are his. I like the foundation of God's blessings. They're recorded all the way back in the Old Testament in the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God. I like what he said in Deuteronomy 28. He says in verse uh, 1 of Deuteronomy 28, he says, Now it shall be if, okay, that means if you do, it'll happen. If you don't, it won't. But if you will diligently obey the Lord your God. I mean, when you go out of your way to obey what God says, to be careful to do all of his what? His commandments, which I command you today. The Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. Wow. Verse two in Deuteronomy 28. And all these blessings shall come upon you. Who? Who? The person who listens to God's commandments and overtake you if you will obey the Lord your God. Blessed or happy shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. No matter where you go, you're going to be blessed wherever you live. Verse 6, blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall be when you go out. No matter where you go on vacation, here, there, going to work, coming home, you'll be blessed. Verse 7, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. Anyone that comes against you will be defeated. What did Jesus say? Anyone who comes up against one of my little ones, it would be better for them to have a millstone wrapped around their neck and dropped into this sea. Wow, that wouldn't be good. Verse eight, the Lord will command the blessings upon you and in your barns and all that you put your hand to. Your bank accounts will be full because God blessings will be upon you. Verse 10. So all of the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. The whole world will look and say, they're blessed because they are a Christian nation. We don't have that anymore, do we? And they shall be afraid of you. Verse 11. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. Now, Deuteronomy 28 is a very long chapter. Okay, and it's one of the longest chapters in the Bible, 68 verses. And those first 14 verses are just like, wow, blessings, blessings, blessings. But then he goes on in verse 15 and for the next 54 verses, and he says, but if you do not follow my commandments, if you do not obey my statutes, you'll be cursed in every aspect of life. And he goes on for 54 verses with that. That's what's starting to happen to America now. We're not seeing the blessings anymore. We're not seeing that we're just this blessed nation. No, we're $30 trillion in debt and everything we touch turns to garbage now. Why? Because we've abandoned God. Well, in the same way, a believer can continue to grow even though we live in this nation that has abandoned God, but God can bless you in the midst of this. So you can be blessed when you go in. You can be blessed when you go out. Because why? Because you're the people of God. So even though your nation is not getting blessed, you personally can be blessed by God. Yes, and that is true. And those great promises are worth turning away 
from the enticements that try to allure you away from God. Let's pick up and read back in James again. Verse 19 says, This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Wow. Yes, we must humble ourselves before God. And one place to start is let us be quick to hear, slow to speak. When we come to Christ, we must be teachable. We must have a teachable heart. Let me ask you, are you teachable? Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.